0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the second part of our brand new sermon series, Dunamis. Now, don't worry, I have no idea what Dunamis means either. You know my views on Greek. Don't use Greek words unless you actually speak Greek. I'm just kidding. This series, Dunamis, is about God's power in a letter to the Ephesians. And over the next few months, we're gonna be unpacking this amazing letter which Paul has written to the Ephesian church, all about God's amazing power displayed through the Holy Spirit. So as we begin to emerge from lockdown over the coming weeks, my prayer for us is that we wouldn't be like butterflies slowly emerging from a cocoon or like a little chick breaking out of an egg that's not the sort of emerging i want to see i pray that we would be like these stunt guys who get into a cannon and get fired out all right that's the emerging i'm praying for that's what i want i want to see us propelled back into normality with a fresh um faith a fresh Passion and a fresh power from the holy spirit who's ready for all that god's going to do in this new season i know i certainly am it's going to be amazing because we serve an amazing god So today I get to unpack at the start of this letter which Paul has written. We're going to be in chapter 1 of Ephesians, and we're going to read from verse 3 to verse 14. In my Bible, it's a section labelled Spiritual Blessings. Let's read together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be a holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us in the one he loves In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who are the first to power hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. What an amazing passage. And just to give a bit of background here, because I think it adds such depth and weight to what Paul is saying. The starting point of this letter is actually one long sentence in the ancient Greek. Paul has kicked off his letter which is going to be going on to talk to the church about a number of different things from parenting to work to marriage to spiritual warfare. Paul chooses to kick off this letter with a huge sentence of praise. This is an action-packed letter, but before any of the content, Paul starts with praise. So Paul dives straight into this letter with this poem, with this sentence of praise and worship to God. But the most amazing aspect of this letter, it comes when you realise where it was being written from. Paul was writing this letter, this praise passage from prison. He was in prison in Rome. He was bound up in chains. He was probably hungry, cold, almost certainly in pain, suffering a pretty desperate situation which probably seemed hopeless. But it's from that prison cell that Paul writes this amazing opening paragraph of praise. He starts by proclaiming in verse 3 that he is blessed. Do you know, I love that feeling of just like recognizing to God like I am blessed like a few um, weeks ago I went to the beach with Haley and the kids and it was a gorgeous sunny day and we'd found this amazing secluded bit of the beach there was no one else there really and um, the kids were just playing I was lying on the sand dunes it was sunny and I was just thinking man I am blessed this is so good like that's a, Sometimes we can, we can see that, can't we? We can relate good situations with blessing. But Paul's not on a beach sunbathing when he's writing this. Paul's in prison. And what does he start by saying? He starts by saying, I am blessed. What does this teach us? Well, it teaches us that blessing doesn't depend on your physical circumstance. You're blessed in a way which is much deeper. So from his prison cell Paul goes on to this uh, in his passage to list a number of reasons why he's blessed. I think that's a really good thing to do to count your blessings. So this morning I've just picked out five blessings which Paul um, brings up and reminds us of which were true of him and are true of us because we're believers. But the key to all of this, all right, comes at the end of verse 3, when Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's the key term there, in Christ. With each of these five things which we're going to go through this morning that I've picked out, Paul is saying that these blessings are made available to us, not because of anything that we've done, but because we are in Christ. These aren't earned blessings. This isn't something that we've won for ourselves. This is completely because of our standing in Christ. What is true of him becomes true of us we are in Christ like let me illustrate it this way alright so I'm a big Liverpool fan as you all know and Liverpool's manager is Jurgen Klopp and imagine if I became friends with Jurgen Klopp it, it might happen he's a Christian you never know we might meet at some point point. Um, and imagine I became friends with Jurgen Klopp and he said okay Gavin Gavin on Saturday Come to the stadium, come to Manfield, I'll give you my fob and my name badge and you can be me for the day. You can do everything that I would do. You can roam around wherever you want. And if anyone stops you, just tell them that you've got my permission. Show them uh, my name badge and say, actually, uh, Mr Klopp says it's okay. What might I do? Well, I might go straight into the VIP area and I might get myself a glass of wine and a bit of food and the waiter might stop me and say, excuse me, sir, should you be in here? And I can flash my badge and say, it's okay. It's okay. Mr. Klopp says it's okay. Or what else might I say? Well, I might walk onto the pitch and the stewards might be like, stop, stop, you can't be here and i just show them the badge and say, no, it's okay. Or I might go and sit on the manager's special reserved seat for the ve- best view of the match. And if anyone tries to stop me, I can show them the badge that says, Mr Klopp, manager. Or I might go into the dressing room and chat to the players while they're getting changed. I would have access to all of these amazing things. Not because of who I am, but because of who Jurgen Klopp is. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of his title and his authority given to me. I can do it because he allows me to do it. I have a friend in a high place who says that for today, what I have access to, you have access to. The privileges that I get are the privileges that you get. Can you see, that's what it's like with Jesus, but a million times better. Like, we have every spiritual blessing Every amazing thing imaginable, all of that becomes true because we are in Christ. Literally, everything that is true of Christ becomes true of us. What a blessing and what an amazing start to this letter that Paul is writing. So first of all, what does he say? Well, first of all, he says in verse four that we are chosen. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We are chosen by God before the beginning of time. You being in Christ, you having access to these blessings, it isn't some accident or some result of where you were born or the life that you've lived or something that you've done. It's not about being born in the right family or because of your moral standing. It's not because of any of that. The reason that you are in Christ is due to being chosen by him before the very start of creation. What a truth. What a truth to think of. So this is a line which causes controversy and debate between Christians. Some people find it challenging, some people find it this great mystery. Well, if we're chosen before the beginning of time by God, then how can we have free will? It's a complicated verse. But I heard it described amazingly by Andrew Wilson, um, who explained this great mystery like this. He said that this is a mystery we'll never understand. But imagine you approach a huge doorway in front of you. And on top of the door, it says, open to all comers who trust in Jesus. And as you walk through the door, you turn around and you look at a doorway behind you. And written above the doorway on the other side is, it says, chosen before the beginning of time. I can't in my human mind work out how both of those things are true. That's the great mystery. But Paul, writing this letter, he doesn't see that as some great um, mystery to bring confusion. He sees it as a real source of comfort. You are chosen not because of anything that you could ever do. The basis of being chosen is that you are in Christ. It's all God's doing just amazing the second blessing we see in verse 5 it says that we're adopted it says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through jesus christ in accordance with his pleasure and will this is another amazing truth predestined means that your destiny your purpose your reason to live was to be called a child of god you are adopted And this is different to being forgiven. This isn't just about being found and not guilty. This isn't like a courtroom and a judge says you're not guilty, you're free to go. This is much deeper than that. You're brought into God's family. You're adopted. You're called a son or daughter of God. Being in Christ, you get access to what the son gets access to. You're seen as a son or daughter like I think about my own children they got access to my attention that no one else can get if my son wakes me up at 5am and wants to play fight you want to bet that we're going to get up at 5am and play fight if I'm working away and I'm busy on my laptop and one of the kids hurts themselves, I'll be straight there. They get access to my attention. If I'm busy doing something at home and the kids want to play, then they can come up to me and, and, and approach me and say, Daddy, we want to play it, and I'll play with them. They get special access to my attention that no one else gets. And it's the same as us. God sees us as his children in that same way. We get access to his time and his attention. God sees us as his children when we're in Christ and it's probably the most personal reason that Paul gives for us to rejoice like think about that you're God's son you're God's daughter you've been given a family it's wonderful Think about that famous story from the Bible that Jesus tells in Luke 15 about the prodigal son, the son who goes out and pretty much betrays his father by squandering his inheritance on wild living. The son doesn't care at all about hurting his dad. He doesn't care at all about his father. He just lives his own life. And then he realises that he's made a huge mistake when his life goes a bit crazy. And he thinks, do you know what? What if I go back to my dad's? and apologize, maybe he'll have mercy on me, maybe he'll treat me as one of his servants if I'm lucky. The father though has other ideas. When a father sees a son coming from a long way out, he runs to him and he hugs him. And he says, let's throw a party. Let's celebrate. Let's get some music and some dancing and some expensive clothes because my son has come home. Why? Because this is his son. He's not going to treat him like a servant. He's not going to treat him as he deserves. He's going to treat him as his son. And Jesus tells this story to symbolise what it's like with us and God. We return to God with our tail between our legs, offering nothing, begging for mercy, having no benefits to bring to that relationship. But God calls us sons. When we're in Christ, we are adopted. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thirdly, in, in verse 7, it says that um, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 7 says that we are redeemed. This is a blessing that we have as followers of Jesus We're redeemed, what on earth does it mean to be redeemed? Well, if we think about the word redeemed, we use it in a lot of different ways in our society, don't we? Like, think about the footballing analogy. When a goalkeeper makes a mistake in a football match that leads to a goal, it happens quite often. The goalkeeper will make a mistake and the other team will score. Then a few minutes later, he might make an amazing save. He might save a penalty, you know, and the commentator will say, the goalkeeper has redeemed himself there. The person has redeemed himself. He's been redeemed. His past mistake has been made up for. And that's true of us. The mistakes that we've made in the past have been made up for because of Jesus. We also use the word redeemed for a voucher, don't we? So like I've got a Nando's voucher at home and I've been waiting months and months to use my Nando's voucher. And when I finally go to Nando's and give them my voucher and uh, redeem it, that'll mean that the cost of my food will be covered by the voucher, okay? So I'll give them the voucher and the voucher will take on the cost of my meal. And it's the same with us. The cost has been taken by Jesus. We have been redeemed. What would have cost us everything, costs us nothing because of Jesus. We also use the word redeemed for a mortgage. When I'm about 55 years old, probably, I'll have finally finished off paying off my mortgage. At which point I'll redeem the mortgage. I'll make the final payment and I'll be debt-free. And it's the same with us. The final payment has been made by Jesus. We are free from the debt of sin. We are redeemed. Look, there's lots of ways we use the word redeemed in our sight. We talk about redeeming slaves and setting people free. A price is paid and a slave is set free. The point is that God has made us free in his sight. And that means that we no longer have to pay the penalty for our past, present or future sins. What a truth. As Paul says um, in Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that this whole area of being redeemed is true of us. We're in Christ, so we are free. We need to live as free people. We need to have the joy and the life that comes from being someone who is free. Fourthly, in verse 11, it says, in him we are made heirs, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We are made heirs. What does that mean? Well, an heir is a person who gets an inheritance, isn't it? When you die, you leave your worldly possessions and the things that you own to those that you love. You leave them to your children or your next of kins. All of your possessions go to those who you care most dearly about. Like, we've already decided that my most prized possessions will be divided between the children. One of them will get my Panini sticker albums, and the other one will get my toy meerkats. They'll get my most prized possessions. And the way it works though is that, If you're an heir, okay, the richer that your dad is, the richer that this person is, the bigger your inheritance is. Okay, so if your dad was a king, you want to bet that you're going to be getting a huge estate. If your dad's a church leader, you might get some sticker albums and some toy meerkats. (laughs) Looking at us though, we're made heirs to God because we are in Christ. All of the blessings afforded to Jesus are afforded to us. We get to live in the joy knowledge that our inheritance is wonderful and it's vast. Our future is secure because we are heirs of God. As it says in Galatians 4, 6 and 7, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls our Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. What an amazing thing to think about. We can sometimes miss the eternal aspect of salvation, Like, it isn't just for here and now, although it is for here and now. It impacts our life at this present moment. But actually, when we're saved, it affects our eternal destiny. Our eternal future is secured. Finally, the final blessing which Paul mentions is in verse uh, verse 13. And it says this. It says that, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, we are sealed by Christ, by the Holy Spirit. We're sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now, this took me some time to get my head around, all right? But let me explain to you like this, all right? If you think about a bottle of wine, assuming that you've got a half-decent bottle of wine that'll have a cork in it, alright, have a cork in the top. And the job of the cork is to stop the wine from going off. It's to seal the bottle and keep what's inside as fresh and as high-quality as it should be. It is sealed, the cork seals the bottle. But as well as keeping the wine sealed, the cork is also a sign of ownership. If you look at most corks, uh, on the side of the cork will be printed the name of the vineyards or the chateau where that wine was produced. The cork will have the logo or the name printed on it, because one of the other jobs of the cork is to show ownerships. It's to show that the wine belongs to this company. And it's the same with us. The Holy Spirit is given to us to keep us pure and fresh and as we should be. The Holy Spirit allows us to keep living this life that we're called to. Because if it was just down to us, we'd be discouraged. We might mess up. We might fall down. But the presence of the Spirit in us every single day helps us to ensure that we keep living for Him. It helps us to ensure that we're not spoiled, to use the wine analogy, we're not spoiled by the things of this earth. As well as that though, just like the cork, it shows that we belong to Christ. God sends the Holy Spirit as our helper, as a way of showing that we belong to Him. So that we go out into the world in the knowledge that we are His. What a blessing to remember, Jubilee. Listen, I hope you've been encouraged listening to all these blessings. I've been so encouraged planning this talk, just blown away. But I think it's something that we need to get into the habit of doing counting our blessings and remembering the good things that God does for us and recounting them to others. When we count our blessings, it leads us to a place of worship. It fixes our eyes on him because he is the reason that all of these things are true of us. As Bible teacher Tom Wright says, he says, Worship for Christians will almost always involve telling the story of what God has done in and through Jesus. When we recount what God has done, it leads us to a place of worship. When I think of this opening paragraph from Ephesians um, being written by Paul from his prison prison cell, I'd like to believe that he was preaching to himself as much as anyone else. I feel like in his moment of despair and torture in this prison cell he was choosing to remind himself of all the blessings that are true and the fact that these blessings don't depend on his current circumstances it's such good news look you guys we, we will all have our own circumstances that are going through at the moment good things Bad things, painful things, difficult things. For some of you this will be the difficult most difficult time of your life. For others, this will be a great time worth celebrating. For some of you the idea of opening up again and getting back to normality is something which fills you with great excitement. For others, you're filled with dread. The point I want to make this morning Jubilee is that your blessings don't depend on your circumstances. They depend on the fact that you are in christ if you're his follower if you're in him then what's true of jesus is true of you and that means that whatever you're walking through at the moment you can still say that i am blessed listen if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know that reality if you can't confidently say yes i'm in christ yes i'm blessed joe you know, it's as simple as you can know him this morning You can start a personal relationship with Jesus. You can truly say, yes, I'm in Christ. If you come to Jesus, if you come to him and say, God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done and I want to live for you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want these things that are true of you to be true of me. You can come to him this morning. And if you'd like to do that, I'd love it if you could just come and join me in a new person room after the meeting this morning. Coming into the Zoom room and um, for new people and I'd love to pray with you and lead you into this relationship with Jesus because it's the most important decision that you will ever make. Thanks so much for listening.